welcome to the Love and Light Live podcast, empowering crystal lovers to learn and experience the art of crystal healing. Get ready to listen in and follow your soul calling with crystals. Hello, and thank you so much for joining me for the Love and Light Live podcast brought to you by loveandlightschool.com. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and this podcast is the number one place for all things crystals. In today's show, we'll explore a common misconception about crystal compatibility, mainly whether or not certain crystals can be used together. I'm wondering if you've ever had a moment of panic because someone told you not to use two specific types of stones together, or maybe you've even read somewhere or seen online that certain crystals just aren't compatible. Well, I'm going to break it down in today's episode and talk about my views as well as the one exception. But before we get started, I'd like to answer one of our listener questions. Remember, you can submit your own questions anytime at loveandlightschool.com ask for the chance to have your question answered right here on the show. Today's question comes from Emily St. Ong, who says, how do you recharge and cleanse your crystal and is it necessary? I'm so glad you asked this question, Emily, and let's start with charging. My personal views of charging have really changed over the years. When I first got started with crystals, I really followed all the like rules about cleansing and charging to a T because I was so worried about doing something wrong. And Over the years, through my personal experience, through talking with other people, I've really come to the conclusion that charging in the way that we think about charging probably isn't necessary. So when most people talk about charging, they basically mean kind of like re-energizing their crystals, almost as if a crystal's energy is like a battery and it can be drained. Well, I haven't really had that experience. In fact, whenever I pick up my crystals, they feel vibrant and lovely, and I just haven't felt that sensation that they are depleted or anything like that. Now, I have picked them up and felt that they needed to be cleansed, that the energy felt a little bit off, but in terms of charging from that perspective... I don't think it's necessary. However, I do charge my crystals in a slightly different way. So my view on charging has shifted a lot. I think of charging as adding like an additional layer of energy or intention. So I charge my crystals with a particular energy, meaning that then there's a combination of the inherent properties or meanings of that crystal energy along with whatever I've charged it with. So I might charge it with the energy of a particular full moon or even a particular lunar phase. I might charge it in a dish of fresh or dried herbs or flowers to give it that energy. I might charge it with a flower essence. I might charge it with a symbol or a word. It's basically about putting this extra intention into the crystal. And some people kind of consider that a form of programming. Um, I think, you know, traditionally programming is more about 
giving the crystal like a certain directive, (laughs) instructions that you want it to carry out for you. And I find that to be a little bit restrictive. So I instead use intention setting with my crystals, which I think is really supportive and creates space for a little bit more flexibility in the way that I'm working with them. Now, when it comes to cleansing, of course, I do think cleansing is necessary, but when I first learned about crystals, I was taught you should always cleanse your crystals before and after every single use, and you know that they're like magnets for bad energy and that kind of thing, so you always need to make sure you're working with them after they've been cleansed and that kind of thing. And here's the thing. I also haven't really had that experience. So rather than cleansing my crystals before and after I use them every single time, and again, I've really shifted my perspective on this over the years, I now just cleanse them when I feel like it's necessary. That might be once every couple weeks, that might be once every couple months, it just depends on the crystal, how much I've been working with it, where it's located in my space. For example, if it's just in my office where really only I spend time, you know, it might not be quite as necessary as if it's in a main room in my home, like my kitchen or my living room, where a lot of people are congregating. That being said, if I'm going to use my crystals to work with other people, maybe through a crystal grid, doing some distance healing or a layout, something like that, then I would still definitely cleanse them before and after each use. I think that's part of being respectful and responsible as a healer and making sure that our clients are really cared for, whether that's a paying client or just a friend or family member. So in terms of cleansing, yes, I think it's important. Yes, I do it, especially when other people are involved. But for my own crystals and my day-to-day, I've definitely become a lot more flexible and a lot less rigid in the way that I think about cleansing because I just don't think it's quite as necessary as we have thought it was in the past or as we've been told it is in the realm of crystal healing as a whole. There's kind of this tendency to be consumed with thoughts of purity and cleansing and that sort of thing. And it's led to a lot of problems, particularly in the way that we are cleansing some of our crystals and our spaces. So I've really tried to shift my perspective in this. And instead of following rigid rules or schedules, just feeling into the stones themselves to determine when it's the right time. So again, Emily, thank you so much for your amazing question. And if you're listening and you have a question that you'd like for me to answer for you about crystals, spirituality, or anything else you're curious about right now, let me know over at loveandlightschool.com slash ask. Do you feel intuitively called to work more deeply with your stones? To grow your confidence, knowledge, and connection to crystal energy beyond what you can learn on your own? Our award-winning Crystal Healing Certification Program will take you from crystal lover to a confident, certified crystal healer and help you discover your soul's path and crystal purpose. Maybe you want to deepen your personal spiritual practice by connecting more deeply to your stones. Or maybe you're already working with crystals, but you want to learn some more advanced energy healing techniques. Wherever you're at on your crystal journey, the Love and Light School's CCH program can help you become the confident and intuitive crystal healer you know you can be. Are you ready to listen to the nudges from the universe and take the next steps on your crystal journey? Our CCH program is here to support you every step of the way.
now it's time to dive into our main topic for today. Are these crystals compatible? So as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, you may have had this experience yourself. I know I did when I first started working with crystals. I was working with two crystals and someone told me, oh, you should never use those two crystals together. And when I asked for more information, well, why is that? They gave me an answer, but it was a little bit vague. Just, oh, they don't go together. They don't vibe together. And maybe you've had a similar experience, or maybe you've read online or read in a book that there are certain crystals that just don't work together, that they just aren't compatible. Well, I'm here to break down why this just is not true. So let's start by taking a look at why all crystals are, in fact, compatible with one another, as well as the one important exception to this. When it comes to energy, I think it's important for us to sort of reframe our normal perspective and the way that we think about things in our mundane day-to-day world. We need to step outside of our usual way of thinking about energy and how things operate and Put one foot in each world, one foot in the physical and one foot in the mystical. So yes, we need to be grounded. We need to have a foot in the physical realm and the rational realm, and that's important, but we also need to allow ourselves to be more fluid in our thinking, more flexible in our view of what's possible, and put one foot into the realm of mystical experience. So this is just a way of kind of shifting our thinking, just like, you know, when you rely on your intuition to help you make a decision. You don't always need to understand everything about it. Sometimes you just really feel that pull. And I think our view of energy is similar. So of course we need to accept the way that energy works in terms of physics and time and space when it comes to how we operate in our day-to-day lives. But when we step into the space of doing healing work, we're opening ourselves up to a different type of space where we need to be a little less rigid in our understanding and allow for that little bit of mystery. So here's where my view kind of comes from about why I think all crystals are compatible. When we think about the fact that all these crystals have formed together here on this earth, in this universe, then we realize that, well, they must be compatible. They're all here together on this earth after all. So ultimately, when someone says that two stones just don't go together, it kind of doesn't make much sense to me. Because if they both formed here on this earth, and we can step into this more fluid and mystical way of thinking about energy in terms of time and space, then really, what's the difference between them being here on this earth versus being together in our homes or our healing spaces or even together in a grid or crystal layout? Now, it's true that, of course, some stones form on completely opposite ends of the globe and they wouldn't normally be found together. But when we consider the macrocosm of the universe and the microcosm of our small space through a little bit different lens than we're used to, distance no longer really feels like a barrier to energy. So when we look through this slightly different lens, it feels like all stones must be compatible in one way or another. They're all here on earth. Of course they can be used together in a layout, in a grid, in our sacred space. And truly, since working with crystals depends mostly on our intention for how we use them, if our intention is to work with them together in a way that's supportive and compatible and cohesive, then they must be energetically compatible. 
So that kind of brings me to the one exception to my viewpoint on this when we're looking at crystal compatibility. So just as our intention can allow us to overcome any potential energetic compatibility issues, which I personally don't think exists, but let's say they did, our intention can help us pull these crystal energies together anyway. It can also create incompatibilities. Let's look at an example. If you were working with two different stones and you had completely different and maybe even conflicting reasons for working with them, then they may not be compatible with one another for the work that you're currently doing. So let's say you're working with a citrine crystal for energizing. You need a little pick-me-up. You need that wonderful warm buzz that citrine creates, but you're also working with howlite to help create a more restful environment for sleep at night. And let's say at the end of the day, you had both these crystals in your pocket, you brought them into your bedroom, placed them on your bedside table before going to sleep. Well, even if these stones would be compatible under different circumstances, again, based on your intention, in this scenario, the intentions that you've set for each stone, citrine for energizing and howlite for rest, are in direct conflict with one another. So in this situation, the crystals wouldn't be compatible. But that doesn't really have to do with the stones themselves. It's not that they could never be used together. It has more to do with the way in which the stones are being worked with. It's the intention behind working with them that's kind of creating the conflict here, not their inherent energies or qualities or meanings. So if someone tells you that two crystals shouldn't be used together, it may or may not be accurate depending on how they're being worked with. From my experience, and this is true of all crystal work, the most important thing you can do when working with your stones is just do what feels natural. Kind of be open to the experience that you're having and then reflect on how it went and think about the impact that this crystal work had on the way that you feel, on the way that things are unfolding in your current situation. And if you find from your own experience with your crystals that there are two stones that you kind of prefer not to use together, then of course go with that. But let it be your experience that guides you rather than just following these arbitrary rules and blanket statements that people make around specific stones. If you can't tell, this is honestly one of my pet peeves. I really don't like when people make these very matter-of-fact statements like, oh, you should never use blue kyanite with red jasper, or black tourmaline can never be in the same space as unakite. Now, I've just made up those examples, but these are the kinds of things that I see online, read about, see in videos, and sometimes the people making these statements don't even offer up an explanation on why they're saying that. Now, if they said, hey, I would suggest not incorporating this particular stone into this grid because it has a very different energy and the quality doesn't really seem to go with it, then that's one thing which I think is still debatable. Again, it really comes down to your intention for including certain stones in your energy work, but it would at least offer up a little bit more explanation than I've seen in a lot of spaces, especially online. So next time you come across a statement of people telling you that certain crystals just don't go together or they're not compatible, don't second guess yourself. It's okay to do what feels natural, and what your intuition is guiding you to do. 
The Crystal Healing Certification Program is coming soon. Want to know more? For info, free training, and to get on the list, go to crystalhealerschool.com. Well, that is it for our main segment for today. And now I'd like to move into our trending this week segment. As you know, each week I bring you a quick discussion on something that's happening in the world of crystal healing and spirituality right now, or something that I'm just really loving that I want to share. And this week I want to share with you the Seasons of the Witch Beltane Oracle. I am absolutely loving this deck. It was just released. It's by Lorraine Anderson and Juliet Diaz. Juliet Diaz, of course, being the author of the book, The Altar Within, which I also highly recommend. If you've not read that or ordered it yet, please check out your local bookstore and order it. But while you're at it, you can pick up this amazing Oracle card deck, Seasons of the Witch, again by Lorraine Anderson and Juliet Diaz, illustrated by Giada Rose. And this is put out by Rockpool Publishing. Um, It's the third in the series. There's actually been a Samhain Oracle, a Yule Oracle, and now the Beltane Oracle. And I have to tell you, I am so in love with these decks. I really, really hope that they'll finish out the full series and create one for each of the eight holidays that we see in the modern Wheel of the Year. Um, The artwork by Giada Rose is beautiful. I mean, it is stunning. But also what Lorraine Anderson and Juliet Diaz have crafted in this deck is fantastic. Every single deck The cards have themes that really deeply tie into the roots of the season and the particular holiday, and I just love it. And the card stock is a nice weight. They're average size for Oracle cards, but they also have this beautiful gold gilt edging on the sides. And the themes and meanings of each of the cards are really deeply connected to the season. So there's still time to order a copy of this deck and receive it in time for Beltane coming up on May 1st, of course, May Day. And I think this would be a fantastic Oracle card deck to work with for a special Beltane reading for yourself. And if you have the budget for it, if you feel really excited about this deck and feel called to pick up a few more, I would also really highly suggest the Samhain and Yule Oracle decks that are also in this same series. And I would like to just read to you the little excerpt from the back of the box. It says, unlock your potential for growth, creativity, and abundance with the energy of Beltane. Also known as Mayday, Beltane honors life and is a celebration of passion and putting your plans into action. The Earth's energies are at their strongest and most active, and all of life is bursting with potent fertility. At this point in the wheel of the year, your potential can be unleashed. These cards align with your energy, helping you to unlock your inner wisdom with the help of powerful spiritual forces, along with thoughtful meanings and invocations or powerful word spells to invoke the energy of each card and to send your intentions of spiritual well-being out into the universe. So it's a 44-card deck. It does include a really helpful guidebook that has a little background on Beltane, some instructions on how to use the cards, as well as some Beltane spreads. 
It also has a really cool little bonus in it. I won't spoil what it is, but there's a QR code in the back of the guidebook that you can scan with your phone and it unlocks some extra bonus material for the entire Oracle series. So definitely check it out. And the extra good news is that for those of you in the Southern Hemisphere, the Samhain Oracle has already been released. So if you're feeling called to do an autumnal reading for your change of seasons, you'll be able to pick that one up and work with it. Well, that is it for today's show. I hope you found a lot of value in this episode. If you want more information about anything I discussed in this episode, you can learn more over on the website at loveandlightschool.com slash blog. And if you did enjoy the show today, the biggest compliment you can give me is to leave a quick rating and a review over at loveandlightschool.com slash iTunes. And today I want to give a special shout out to Millie LR who says, so informative. I love this podcast so much. I've been wanting to dive into the healing properties of crystals, and this was an amazing start for me. It has so much wonderful information. I'm so glad I subscribed and that now I can listen every day. Keep it up. Well, Millie, thank you so much. I'm so glad to hear that you're enjoying it, and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave that five-star rating and your amazing review to help others find the podcast as well. And if you haven't done so yet, like Millie did, and you want to subscribe to the show, visit loveandlightschool.com slash listen, where you can see all the places this podcast streams as well as subscribe so you never miss a future episode. That brings us to the end of this episode of the Love and Light Live podcast. I'm your host, Ashley Levy, and I'll be back with you next time. Until then... Crystal Blessings. The Love and Light Live podcast is a production of the Love and Light School of Crystal Therapy. Connect with us online at loveandlightschool.com or on social at Love and Light School. The content provided on or through our website or podcast makes no claims for specific or general health or health results and should not be used to examine, diagnose, or treat any medical condition, prescribe medications, make claims for specific or general healing or health results, or as a substitute for traditional medical treatment. For medical advice, you should consult a licensed healthcare specialist. For more information, please refer to the terms of use on our website at loveandlightschool.com.